so great. There are so many things for this catch up for that we've long since needed a bit of a debrief on things. Certainly, we want to go over Baby Will. I want to talk a bit about what happened in the Nelson Court, as far as you're able to, and the New Zealand Law Society that I used to work for, that I always felt were beyond reproach. There are question marks for me there, mm. definitely. Um, but what I want to start, uh, and I also want to talk about what happened at Waitangi Day yesterday. Yep. So there are a number of things. But I want to start with the Therapeutic Products Bill, which many Kiwis still are not aware of. But mm. everyone should know how this will affect us. And then I want to find out what you're doing. So what is it and why should we all care? Great. Thanks, Liz. It's great to catch up again. Yeah. The Therapeutic Products Bill is a piece of legislation. They're basically trying to control our our food, herbs, traditional remedies, all natural remedies. Um, at the moment, they're already regulated in some ways, but they're bringing them together with the medicines under this massive bill that's almost incomprehensible, 400 and something pages, so confused, so confusing. And they're trying to regulate the products, but also the health practitioners that use, import, supply the products. So it's a real double whammy. So again, it's limiting free choice. Yes. It's dictating from the state down when we've already seen the state can't run health. Yes. They made a mess up of the COVID rollout. Exactly. Why do you think they're doing it? Is this big pharma driven? Yeah, look, it seems to be. I've been talking to people all over the country, different groups. I've been talking to business people who don't want it. Yeah. Health practitioners don't want it up at Waitangi. is very clear, a unanimous agreement that they didn't want it for Maori traditional ranga medicine. Nobody wants it. It's come, they've tried to impose it on us in the past. We've pushed it off by public opposition, mm. but it does seem to be either part of the TPPA kind of agreements or big pharma pushing, who knows who's lobbying who. It only seems to be benefiting a very few and detrimenting the great majority of us. As a lawyer, one of the biggest things with legislation is you are meant to have certainty. And mm -hmm. there is, as far as I can see, zero <laughs> certainty. Why is it so uncertain? We can't say yeah. to people, this, 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 and no. this will be banned. It's just so nebulous. Yeah, and tell incredibly us wide definition of what a therapeutic product is. Yeah. And it could, it's all very discreet. Anything that might benefit your health. You know, the air might benefit my health. Certainly my food benefits my health. It all seems to be written from this old paradigm, this pharmaceutical paradigm, and not the paradigm that many of us live in, which is everything's interacting with each other, and it's a sort of holistic solution. They don't seem to even understand these things. All they want is control, control, control. And it's so big and so complicated. Yeah. And then it gets delegated off to another regulator who we don't even know who they are yet. Yeah. Um, so anything the government says is, well, they can't really commit the new regulator. So, you know, we can't really have any certainty about any of it at all. And that alone, the covert nature of that. So it's an enabling bill, which means mm. there are no paradigm limits at all. This person they will appoint will then subjectively decide. Yes. So we are going to be really at the mercy of one person yes. who could easily be corrupted by big pharma. So it just seems yeah. like a, one of the worst pieces of legislation I've ever seen. What's your, what's your yeah. view on that? 
I, I agree. It's shocking and it's actually bizarre that a government are trying to pass it at all. Any government that's listening to the people would never have even got this far with the process. But it's even more surprising they're trying to do it in election year, which is the very year when they usually actually do listen to us. Mm. Um, I mean, we tried to, well, I asked a question at, at Waitangi yesterday because it's one great thing about Waitangi. You get a chance to get a few MPs there and they even had a couple of um, Labour Party ministers speaking to us. So I asked them, I said, you know, why are you doing this? And what was and the reply? And will you listen? Will you listen to the people? And, and the reply? The reply was, oh, well, you know, it's not really up to us and it will go through select committee. Just a big fob off. They, and, uh, who were those ministers? That Can was you name Willow Jean, who's seen, um, she's based up in Whangarei, and Kerry Allen. It's appalling mm -hmm. how, li how mm -hmm. little Labour listens. And I want to move on yeah. to how you want to turn that round when you are in Parliament, mm, which you will be. But, but meantime, what can people do about this therapeutic yep. products bill? Because this is one of those ones, you can't leave it up to the Sue Grays no. or Free NZ to publicise it or anybody else. You've got to get off your chuff and yep. do something. What can people Absolutely. do? Absolutely. Look, people power. If we make this the government's biggest problem, it will go away. Yeah. They can't afford to upset too many people. What they try and do is sneak it through without anybody knowing. So our challenge is to make sure everybody knows about it. Yeah. Over 50% of the population use natural suppl supplements or you know natural remedies. So most of us do. Mm -hmm. If we want to be able to keep using what we use, we need to tell them to hands off. Uh, one thing we've done, we've set up a petition on our say, so and it's called Hands Off Our Food, Herbs and Natural Remedies. And very easy to sign, you just sign it, and every time someone signs, it sends an email to the Prime Minister, the Minister of Health, and all of the spokespeople from all of the other political parties. And they did admit yesterday that they've been getting a huge amount of emails. I had someone contact me last week saying she rang the Office of the Minister of Health and the offside said, wow, we're getting a lot of calls yes. on this. Yeah. So that alone... So that alone is great. That yeah. petition takes you to the Parliament website after you've signed it. It takes you where, where you can make a submission, so you've then got the right page, so you can just Brilliant. put in a submission then. But don't call a submission, say, I oppose. I object. Yes. Don't. You've got to make it very, very clear that you're not supporting it at all. You want it to go away. They've got no right to be there. So yes. Yeah, so hands off. Um, there's some other petitions floating around as well. Do a submission. They have blinked because it was going to be closing. I think on the. I think it was about the fifteenth. I think it was yes, very. It was sneaky. very soon. They, and they, they did the first reading just before Christmas. Yes. And they were going to rush it through mm. for the second reading on yep. the fifteenth. But they backed off until the fifth of March. So we've got a little bit more time yeah. but but put in even anything it doesn't have to be a perfect submission just be very very clear that you object mm. and then you can always put in more afterwards but if you Great. don't get in by the deadline you can be excluded from the whole process and not a bad idea to say if you push this bill through I will never vote for Labour again exactly <laughs> and, if That's my and if national support it I'll never vote for them either because exactly. they're all just as bad this is people power this is where Absolutely. we can now really step up and say you are way overstepping and I'm sick of state interference in my life. Absolutely. Good. Abs hands off. It's body sovereignty. It's our body, our choice, and we choose our food, our herbs, our medical treatments. It's not up to them to tell us what we can and can't use. And in a way, for me, so it represents all of this covert legislation mm -hmm. Labour has snuck through. Someone said 60,000. They've, they've put through 60,000 bills they've pushed through. I said, no, I'll have to try to check that number. And I can't find out how much they've passed. But it has been inordinate. The number mm. of, 
of bills they've pushed through into into acts without any consultation with the yep. people. Yep. Without any consultation or with a very, very fast process where there's no chance for any real consultation or, con you know, people making any kind of input into it. Mm -hmm. And then we've got the minister's orders where he just pops up overnight with, with whatever seems to be the whim of the moment. It's horrifying. And, and takes away people's jobs, their choices, all kind of things. That is shocking legislation. I mean, when Geoffrey Palmer was Prime Minister and he wrote about unbridled power, mm. he was talking about this type of thing. And yet now it's got way worse with the Labour government. And really it comes down to now mainstream media holding up this whole game because mm -hmm. if they expose the government to the wider New Zealand population and what they're doing, this would fall very quickly. Yep. Mainstream media is you and I have both had horrific attacks. How are you holding up with all of it, Sue? I've had enough oh. of these mainstream media trolls. Yeah. They're appalling. Yeah. Look, I've had enough too. I don't read it. No. And most of the people in the freedom movement don't read mainstream media anymore. So no, we don't. So really within our network, they've mm. become irrelevant mm. with the um, people that do still read it. And they're starting to ask questions. So the more they can learn to look outside what they're being told and look at what the truth really is, yeah. you know, more and more people come on board and the therapeutic products bill is a good one for that because some of our meetings haven't been the usual freedom people that you meet in, in Wellington and other places. Yeah. They've just been an, an elderly couple and they're using supplements for their own good health mm. and they're absolutely appalled that they won't be able to buy them anymore. It's in the double whammy taking away our health choices and adding to the cost at the time when cost of living is such a problem. That's another big problem because it's all user pays. So they will exclude out all of the little local businesses and they will leave the big corporates with a few of their main products and they will charge for getting approved under this bill. So you'll lose the choice and you'll pay more for the ones that you do want. We'll lose choice, we'll lose quality, yes. and compliance costs will go through the roof. Absolutely. It's appalling. Um, that's, that's a really good point that you don't read it, and I don't either, but I get people coming to talk to me and saying, I am really over the way New Zealand media mm. writes about you or Sue Gray. Mm. Why are they being so ghastly? So mm. they shoot themselves in the foot. They are exposing themselves more and more. So do you think this is getting wobbly, this whole bullying of Kiwis yeah. by government? Do you think the wheels are starting to really wobble? Absolutely, because what they're doing is they're shooting the messenger instead of addressing the issue. Yeah. And they can't keep going like that because the issues are so big and so important. We need the issues to be dealt with. Mm. But they don't want to. And we saw that at Waitangi. Mm. When you ask a question, Donna, Pokeri Phillips, my co-leader in the Outdoors and Freedom Party, asked a question about her father had died post-jab. Um, 30, I think she said, of their whanau had died within one month. Post of having the jabs. Post-jab. Will you have a public inquiry, a commission of inquiry, so that we can look at the safety and effectiveness claims that the government have been making and get some sort of compensation remedy for people that have suffered from this? Which is a crucial question. What happened? Absolutely important question. This was to the Greens, including to Marama Davidson, who's there, who's one of the you know leaders. And what happened was they just wouldn't answer the question. They would not. The, the um, people from the, the, the organisation came forward to try and close down Donna, um, 
basically Donna was heavied all around by people who did not want her to even ask the question, let alone answer. And then the Greens all stood up and started singing a Waiata instead of answering Donna's really important question. Well, I'm going to give it back to our, our Kaitiaki over there. I don't want to ask you about that. I don't want to ask you about that. I don't think it's just a bit of a Well, it is. The politicians are there. I know. The politicians are there. So my pathway is, my father, I buried him six months ago of his vaccine injury of his vaccine injury. The occupation, the occupation, so you say you, no, 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 I'm going to have a corridor here because this is the appropriate place to have a corridor. It is, it is. I want to talk to the members of parliament. You did not come out in the occupation for the vaccine injured and, and, and people like my father, who I buried six months ago, my husband's whanau, they buried 30 in one month. 30 who were all va vaccine injured. I want to know, I want to know, do you represent us? Are we part of your whanau? Are we part of your community as the vaccine injured? As those that were mandated? Will you support, will you support, will you support, will you support, will you support a Royal Commission on the safe and effectiveness of the vaccine rollout. That's so my partner. please come to our tent for more corridor. We invite you. We're the only political party with a tent over there. We, 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 also, have a, we also have a tent and we've been there for many years. Thank you for Donna Pokere in the hall. Do you support a royal commission on the vaccine and those that Like my father. It is the place to do it. And people were just absolutely appalled because many, many people in the crowd knew people that had vax injuries themselves or knew people who had. It was a very good question and it just showed the attitude. Again, close down the question rather than answer the question, which is not what we elect these people for. How can they look themselves in the mirror? Mm. I know someone who went behind parliament in the Freedom Village and Marama was there. Yep. And she absolutely refused to mm. talk to somebody who was from the village. Yeah. And at that moment, I thought, Marama, what has happened to you? What has happened? Well, we had some inside information from someone who'd been in the Greens some time ago. And they've been told that the part of the deal of having cabinet members is you toe the line and you do what the government tells you to do. Well, then there's no point there being there. Exactly. I'll exactly. never vote Green again. No. I hope New Zealand never votes Labour mm. again, ever, mm. ever. So where are you politically? Let's talk about the Outdoor yeah. and Freedoms Party, so, uh, Outdoors and Freedom Party, because that petition you mentioned is on your website. People can have a look yes. at your policies there as well. Yep. Where are you standing with that? Because I know you're doing a bit of a mini tour. Yeah. yeah. So we've been talking about people power for a long time, even after the very first lockdowns. As soon as we were allowed to move, we started going out and bought, we did what we called the walk, talk and chalk tour to try and help people find their voices in whichever way they wanted to. They could stand up and take the mic. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter what they wanted to talk about just let's get people talking mm. 
and connected with others. And many of those people have continued on speaking out, which has been really exciting. What we're doing again, another people-powered tour. And really what we think we've done is come up with the antidote to what the government's been doing to close us down. Because what the government's been doing is controlling the information. Maori call it indoctrination. And when you think about it, it really is indoctrination. What happened way back, and they're still doing it to us these days, again with their COVID narrative. So they're indoctrinating, they're creating fear, and they are trying to divide us and separate us out into little groups. So we're fighting each other instead of fighting them. And then what happened in Waitangi? Silencing. Yes. Be yes. voiceless. Yep. We will sing over you. We will talk you down. We will walk away. Exactly. We won't listen. Exactly. So our antidote is to get people informed, get people mm. talking, sharing information, confidence, speaking out, Do listening to each other. That's number one. Mm. Number two, overcome the fear. Well, it takes courage. We have to find courage to speak out. Mm. And I'm scared sometimes speaking out. We're all scared. It's not like this magical thing happens that some people aren't scared. But what happens is you realize it's so important mm. that even if you are scared, you've just got to do it. Yeah. And do something, just push your boundaries a little bit. Talk to somebody you wouldn't normally talk to or go and hold up a placard somewhere or put a sign on your fence. doesn't matter what you do, yes. but find the courage to do something. And then the third one is unity. They're trying to divide us. Our challenge is to unite. Mm. And what I, my view of this is it doesn't mean with unity that we all have to be the same. What we have to do is respect that we're all different. Yes. And so... Many of the freedom people are sort of outliers in the sense that they've actually seen the writing on the wall early mm. and they've, for whatever reason, sometimes because they've lived in a country where there's been government abuse in the past or, or they've been discriminated against on other things, whatever it is, they've seen it early. But what we have to do is respect each other and support each other, even if we don't absolutely agree on everything, because we can never get the magic threshold if we want our representative to agree with everything we believe in. But what we can agree on are the main things, the main things like the importance of freedoms, democracy, accountability. Free speech, free speech. is huge. Free you speech. really cannot have democracy free. without a free media, I've realised. Yeah, you, We you really can't. have to have a media that is not owned by big corporate or the government. Exactly. Otherwise and, and, we've fallen, as and we've seen. What a great example with what you're doing, getting these voices out who would never be heard otherwise. But imagine you get into Parliament, you take mm. back Radio New Zealand and TV yes. One, and we have these debates every night. Your civic duty is to engage yes. with issues, to engage in debates, to be informed and we bring exactly. up our children not with brainwashing as they're doing but with critical thinking exactly and understanding that putting the ideas on the table you know often you think that you've got a different view from each other but mm. when you sit down and talk to each other you actually learn there's a huge amount of common ground and you can build on that and on some things you might agree to differ and that's okay too mm. but at least we can be the real who we are instead of this sort of 1984 scenario where you know misthink and misspeak and you oh, get into trouble for, for what you might say during a nightmare you know when you get into parliament could your first job be to uh disembowel te punaha matatini yeah. the goebbels level uh -huh. propaganda department because who are they to say what is miss and it's, disinformation. Well, it's a ridiculous it, concept. It's their subjective idea. Again, 
It's and it seems to be any information they don't like that doesn't support their narrative is by definition disinformation or misinformation and anything else, however true it is, however supported it is by the evidence, by the law, by legal principle, by what the people want, by what the people want, they classify as hate speech or misinformation or whatever. It's, I mean, we absolutely have to unravel all these things. We need you there too, Liz. It's a laughable <laughs> concept. I have to say, Sue, the mantle of leadership is sitting really comfortably on you. I can see a real shift. We went through hell over the baby will thing and you mm. were exhausted when I reached out to you. And yeah. you and I were both, I absolutely <laughs> laid out like two boxes on the floor afterwards. But you, you have grown a lot in the last year. And I, mm. and I say that with real respect. Do you feel that? Yeah, well, thank you. I guess, I, I, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't want to be a leader. I just want us to have our rights back. Absolutely. And so I've always felt that I guess I'm equipped with some skills from my previous work and mm. all the different things I've done in my life that I'm equipped to step up now and inspire others to step up as well. And you've been bruised and bloodied <laughs> over and over. And I've watched others who want political jobs going like this you know which yeah. way is the public view going whereas mm. you've got in there and you and we pay a price we do which is the mainstream media will try to ruin the messenger yeah. and not listen to the message as you said but the bruises <laughs> are, are paying off i really see a different sue well, I've decided it's actually quite fun in the naughty corner. <laughs> yes, because when, when you're in the naughty corner, you're, you're actually free. quite free. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. What are you doing as far as tours and speaking? Have you had good crowds? I want to hear a bit about yeah. that. Look, we've had amazing crowds. So we've just gone from the central North Island up through Tauranga. We didn't have a chance to have a big public meeting there. And it was partly the storm. We was, mm. we just It was a nightmare. But anyway, but then we went up and had a great meeting in Manukau Heads, right in the middle of nowhere during the storm amazing crowd we were, we were sort of driving up saying is anyone even going to come here wow. and it was a wonderful crowd there then we went up to Walkworth had an amazing crowd we always get an amazing crowd in Walkworth been there in that area before there's lots and lots of great thinking people there and these are all in these lovely local lovely, halls yes is that yeah, we're having? community yeah. halls community halls. Um, and then we went up to Taipa which is way up in the far north and everyone kept saying you've got to talk in the barn in Taipa and so one of our board members arranged that she just lives actually down the road absolutely overflowing hall crowd there wow. and great questions I mean the people in these small towns are thinking they're not watching the mainstream media they're actually out there asking all the questions and, and just wonderful wonderful crowd and a beautiful venue wow. um, and then um, we were in Waitangi and we did as many we had our own store there mm. Um, got on, managed to get onto the um, therapeutic products panel, which is the first time I've been asked to speak at a, on a panel, which was great. Tried to be allowed to do a political speech as well with the other political parties. Yeah. We weren't allowed. All we were allowed to do was ask some questions. Well, one question each, which was, uh, yeah, it, it's very difficult to to get a platform anywhere if you don't have the message that they want to hear. So this we know that. Is we know appalling. that. So we really have to start going around farmers' barns and, and having yep. local people yep. put up their, yep. their private land, yes. as we're doing on March the 1st to the 5th in yes. Dannyburg. Yes. You're going to be yeah, there? Yeah, absolutely. It's a sort of commemoration. There'll be mm. sadness for what mm. the police did. Great sadness, mm. but also a celebration of yeah. the beauty of the Freedom Village. And the Patelacios are coming back from Tokelau. Yeah, They're going to be fantastic. able to be 
these heroes who were locked down for well over a year for not taking a jab. Wow. And bullied and, and dismissed and told they'd be in lifelong, basically, imprisonment wow. on this little atoll. So it's extraordinary they're coming back. Yeah. You'll be there? Definitely will be there. I haven't quite booked anything yet, but I'm Lovely. that's planning definitely to be there. Yeah. And what what I would love to see are more and more of the people that we embrace, people that were a little bit nervous, that were a bit intimidated by the whole setup, who now feel free to come and join us. You know, we've got allies everywhere and we need to encourage them to to step over and, and come and talk to us and come and learn more. Because once you crack the code, the pattern of what the government's doing. Many of these issues are very similar. Mm. And once people realize that, you're really choosing between global control or government for the people, by the people, and, and choosing our own future. And the sooner that people realize that switching between red and blue isn't making the slightest bit of difference, and it never has and it never will, might be a few little fine tunes on the surface, but the actual crux of it is still globalist, multinational control. We've got to get enough people out of that mm. and coming over to, to the people's side. Why wouldn't you be in the people's team? Why wouldn't mm. you? Do something that gives a great future for your children, your grandchildren, and actually takes back New Zealand for, for all of us. Yeah, it's really well said. I know someone who was on the hustings with Luxon last time around, and he was skiting about having gone to the Gates compound a number mm. of times. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure, although he denies it, he knows about World Economic Forum. Oh, yeah. Inside out. Oh, yes. A real worry to many Kiwis that he pretended he didn't know about yeah. that. Because if he's lying now... Yeah. If that is a possibility that he's lying, and many are saying he is, what would he be like in power? It'll only be mm. exaggerated. Well, he was in a serious, a senior position in Unilever, I think, in the Canadian Unilever. Mm. I, I, of course they all know. Of Absolutely. course they do. They can't not They know. really underestimate the, the spirit and the intelligence of Kiwis. Mm. They've got away with a certain amount through using fear. The fear is not working as it did, is it? No, no. Well, once you realise, once you break out of the spell... Yes. And you realise you never go back the other way again. That's it. So, and I think many people are realising that the absolute basic tool of the tyrant is fear. If mm. I can put the population in fear of storms, of weather, of jabs, of imaginary pandemics, yep. then I can manipulate. That is no longer working for them. So it's going no. to be interesting to see what they roll out. Baby Will, let's move on yeah. to this. That was a massive, massive case. And it's really impacted, I believe, our Dern's international image. And they possibly mm. wanted to get her out quickly before it got too much more dented, really, by, yeah. by actual Kiwis saying, this is wrong. Yes. I was told by someone that it woke up many of those who'd been previously going along with Ardern. They were just saying, why shouldn't a baby mm. be given unjab blood? So and especially so when the family have found safe sources that meet all the criteria, there's no downside no. except their controlled narrative. And it, and it revealed the government and it revealed mainstream media going yes. along with the government. Absolutely. So a lot of people were disillusioned. What's your take away from it all? Was it the right thing not to appeal, do you think? I, I, in hindsight, yeah. my personal feeling is the family were exhausted. They were hugely mm. brave, but they were yeah. exhausted. Look, I take a lot of comfort that sometimes you lose a battle, but you win the war. Yeah. And it looks, well, certainly he's come out of the operation well. Mm. And it looks like he got the best blood that was available because they knew that they could not afford that baby to have myocarditis or blood clots or any of the other awful things that could happen. So they, they did 
in the end, they never would admit it, but they did the best they could for him. Yes. Um, the, the, the shock for me was that even professional people would shoot the messenger Absolutely. rather than listen, apply basic principles of informed consent and do whatever they could do to listen to a family and, and provide what the family wanted. That That is still a shock. I've never seen affidavit evidence like that before and I've never seen affidavit evidence where experts don't even know what they're talking about and you know they don't know because they can't even spell the word. The, Me the, explain the, the spiked protein. So yeah. we all know it's spike protein mm. and yet the, the hospital expert talked about spiked protein that this basically this this mad family think there's this nasty spiked protein in the blood and it wasn't even the term it there was, was another one as well there was something else well in they did affidavit. the same thing twice they spelt spiked protein they said spiked protein twice so one of the best things that came out of it for me was we forced them to address the actual issue yes. and in their reply evidence because of the amazing evidence that we've got together from the community in their reply evidence they admitted the hospital experts and the NZ blood experts admitted that there is mRNA in vaccinated blood there is spike protein in vaccinated blood they have no test for how much is there they don't know the safe level and they can at least significantly reduce it by having a, a stand down period for the blood like they do for other vaccines. So I've already written back to them to say, look, you've basically admitted that you know your blood is contaminated. You need to stop that. You need to change what you're doing. So we, we did lose the battle. We definitely won the first part of the war, which was getting well back and healthy again. And the next challenge is to get it for everybody else, that everybody gets safe blood, which is just a recycle of what happened in 1990, 1992 with the hepatitis in the blood. And they were going to prosecute, they seriously looked at prosecuting the then Minister of Health, who just happened to be Helen Clark. The police did an investigation at the time, seriously looking at prosecuting her for covering up the information for not acting in a way to keep the blood safe. So we're back in the same position now. Let's ensure that the minister is held accountable. It's, and it's just frightening to think what they're willing, the risks they're willing to put New Zealanders through. Mm. I've also had some indicators, but nobody who will speak out about children in their long-term comas who are on have had operations mm. and the blood's being fed through a machine mm. but it's it's sticking and the doctors and nurses are pretending what is this what are oh. these things these long things never seen them before so wow. i begged in my last newsletter and i beg again here any doctors any nurses for whom your conscience is becoming unbearable please we need whistleblowers to mm. tell us what you are seeing in hospital we can't yeah. get in there and but we're getting whistleblowers all around the world with all of these issues now absolutely. they can't keep the lid on this too many people have been affected in too many different ways and the argument is oh well you know you can't blame the blood well okay you tell me how else does an injection get from the arm to cause myocarditis in the heart if not through the blood absolutely of course it's in the blood and of course the blood is a risk they know it's a risk they need to act a couple of things too about the case the shocking part for all Kiwis who think oh no NZ blood's acting in our best interest when I was in that first meeting with the mm. family I was totally dismissed, as were the parents. Mm. It's ridiculous, there's no difference. We had that all the way through for about two weeks while we did those mm. stories. Mm. The night 
before the court case, the second court case, they drop an affidavit on you saying, admitting what you said earlier, that there is a difference in the blood. Mm, they would have perjured right. themselves otherwise. Yeah, that, exactly. You were extraordinary in the first um, hearing because you pointed out that they had called these people conspiracy theorists. Yeah. And, and, the, and the other side's lawyer didn't know. Didn't know. Can you just explain the, the importance of that as well? So on the one hand, mm. we have evidence NZ blood lied in those two weeks. And just before the court case, they were willing to change their evidence mm. to not perjure in court. But on, on the other hand, what did that show you? Yeah. Calling them conspiracy theorists. <laughs> well, it's typical of this cancel culture that the government thinks is okay, that you shoot the messenger instead of address the message. And that just seemed to be that somehow they thought they could get away with that in court as well. Um, odd to me that the, their own lead counsel didn't know what was in their own documents, but I accept that they might have had a team working on it and he may not have read everything, a little bit unusual, but that's possible. But he was actually quite shocked when I said, where I'm speaking from is your client's affidavit evidence. And that was the doctors in Starship. Yes. Deriding their, their patients. The patients, yeah. Whom they are meant to serve and listen to. to. It, yeah. it was just an appalling thing from go to woe. Yeah. I did feel that they learnt during the process. I mean, I was lucky enough to be at the second meeting after that, the first court hearing when we were first called. And the, I thought the doctors had actually come some way in their thinking. They'd obviously gone away and done a bit of research mm. and a bit of thinking. And good on them. Look, I get it. People make a mistake. I don't get it that they could have made such a big mistake so easily. But at least they seem to have been open to listen and learn. And I really, really hope that they stand strong from now on. But we do have a problem with New Zealand blood. You know, we the woman was, I don't know, 45 minutes late when we were all so busy getting ready for court. Then she That was the head of NZ yes, Blood. Or the, the head of their medical division of NZ Blood. She didn't want to be there. Mm. She was always running away, taking phone calls and sort of rolling her eyes. And it's just like, this is not how you treat parents. No. This is not okay. Sam found that really traumatising. Mm. I can't even begin to put into words the trauma Sam went through, the mother. Oh, with that kidnapping. And I rang Winston yeah. Peters the next day and begged him to do a public statement. He said, oh, it's not kidnapping. I said, when four police come in, mm. wordlessly pick up a baby via a senior nurse, walk out of the room, give no explanation, and block the parents' egress, exit from the room. That's a kidnapping. And they'd previously told Sam that they were just observing overnight and they, wouldn't, they would leave them in peace for good sleep until seven o'clock in the morning. I mean, I'd been part of those conversations as well. And then they, they, I don't know whether they got a new instruction over the top or whether they knew what they were doing from the start, but it was just the most horrendous situation. And horrendous. it can't be good. I went in in the morning to see Sam before the operation because I was really worried about her and I was allowed in. I was actually escorted in, it was all great. And then when I was just trying to take a photo for her with, with mm. her baby, the police officer just shoving me out the door. You're not allowed photos in here. So you're not allowed a photo. It might be the last time you see your baby and you're not allowed a photo. The, the brutality. And that baby had gone through such trauma himself, not mm. being allowed to be hugged all night. Mm. There's a massive story to come out there. I've also been written, uh, written to by other people. One 14 years ago went through a similar thing with her baby. Wow. She broke down, fought them and was sectioned under the Mental Health Act wow. and the baby taken away for six months. So there's been, yeah. I suspect, some kind of ongoing culture of getting away with this and bullying. Yeah. But the, the eyes of the world are now on um, 
New Zealand because of that case. Exactly. And we've had a lot, you know, and you did an amazing job getting the word out there and then with Counterspin and, yeah. and their um, spreading, getting the experts in. Yeah. And since then, we've had a lot of overseas social Interest. media groups doing follow-up stories. So definitely people are watching and listening. So hopefully we will change the culture here in New Zealand, but also around the world where they've had some similar problems. Yeah. So that is yet to come. We have to get unjabbed blood. That is possibly yeah. a future case, which yeah. maybe maybe need to be fought. Um, from that, what did, you, what did you feel, Sue, coming out of it? I'm, I alluded to being exhausted and I presumed you were. Were you pretty exhausted at Christmas? Oh, totally exhausted. But I got back to Nelson and I had another case that I'd promised to help with in the Nelson court. And I did want to go into that. That was an extraordinary thing within weeks of baby work. Within mm, a week. Within a few it? days. I just got back to Nelson um, and I had a meeting, I think the, a day or so later with my client. Who was a cafe owner who had yes. been brave and stood up yes. against the mandates. Yes. And how did all of that come, come about that you ended up in the police cells? <laughs> I still don't really know, to be honest. But what, what happened... Um, the cafe owner had already been told by the judge he needed legal advice because the judge didn't understand anything he said. And he was doing a sovereignty type defence. Yeah. And I totally respect that. I, I've seen different people do different defences and I, I respect that, that people mm. need to have power over their own defence. You mean you respect freedom of choice? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I did and look at the documents and I, I'd, before the Baby Will case I'd already got the documents for him and I'd had a look and I'd identified some quite serious Bill of Rights concerns and other concerns. And so when I got back to Nelson after the Baby Will case and the day before his court case, we had another meeting. And I pointed out, you know, all of these defences, but meanwhile he was really determined to do his sovereignty type arguments and some other arguments and I said look I really can't help you with those things but on the other hand as a lawyer with duties to the court mm. I really feel that your Bill of Rights defences need to be put before the judge mm. and so the judge can then understand and maybe ask the police some questions or do whatever he feels needs to be done and I naively thought that by going along to the court with the defendant but not acting for him, I would have a, at least a slight opportunity to explain to the judge that it was an unusual situation. This defendant faced imprisonment. He had defences, but he wasn't in a position to put them forward himself. And there would be, needed to be some way of alerting the judge to these things. And that was this idea of the Mackenzie friend, somebody who isn't yeah. a lawyer per se, but can help Well, a Mackenzie friend... Argument. A McKenzie friend can sit next to a defendant and, and support them. But, but they're not, not acting as speak. their lawyer. That's what I mean. But, but they're not. I, I, the defendant actually had a McKenzie friend lined up and I wasn't sure that I could really do much as a McKenzie friend because explaining a legal argument secondhand through yes. somebody that doesn't understand it is not that easy. Um, so I found a Court of Appeal decision, the Fahey decision, which explains some other ways that you could assist in that situation. So mm -hmm. the court could appoint an amicus curiae who 
who was basically independently advising the court on these issues. Which actually means in Latin, friend of the court. court. Yes. So you're helping, you're serving be, both sides. Yes. You're clarifying. You're just putting information on the table for the court that wouldn't otherwise get there. Yeah. And I thought that was a very legitimate possibility that a judge might be interested to think about. Because when I was at law school, Sue, the, the one thing you take is that in that court situation, the overriding interest is what is in the interests of, of justice. justice. So all the information yeah. I, I can present to the judge, the more he can have, the more he can serve that purpose. Exactly. To be just. Exactly. And then the Fahey decision also had another possibility, a, a standby counsel who could represent just on certain aspects of the case. Mm. So the defendant could still run their own case, but just on this particular aspect, their lawyer, the standby counsel could assist them. Mm. And I thought, well, that would be another good possibility. And the defendant was absolutely, we talked about all of these things. He was open to these things. But what I couldn't do was run the full defense that he wanted on his behalf. Mm. And so I had to make that clear to him into the court. So I thought that I was there assisting and helping and before I knew it I was suddenly in jail yeah, in the cells for disrupting, allegedly disrupting the court. And so I've always been really respectful of judges. I believe that I, I mean you saw in the Auckland case sometimes some difficult situations but you keep calm and you just do what you feel is is assisting the client, assisting the court. Sometimes there's more you'd like to say, but you don't say it. Sometimes you feel that you do need to push a point and maybe even get it on the record so that there's a ground to appeal. And that's one of the things that you're taught at law school as an advocate. Sometimes you do have to be brave and show courage and just push a point, ask the judge to record it so that it's documented and it can go to a higher court and get sorted out. Do you do that from the public gallery or do you have to join yeah. in the in the main area? Well, that's the thing. It? I was never in the public gallery in that case. Mm. I was in, in sitting where the lawyers sit. Mm. And before the judge had come in, we'd had a discussion with the registrar about where the defendant should sit and where I should sit wow. based on that situation. So and if the registrar knows, if mm. they're alerted, you are not being disrespectful to the court. No, no. I don't know where it came from. It was one of the media who weren't even there who said that I was sitting in the public gallery. I was never sitting in the public gallery. Um, and even if I was, it may probably shouldn't have made any difference. But the fact is, I've never had that kind of interaction with a judge before and I was really shocked that the judge wouldn't give me at least a couple of moments to explain an unusual situation and a possible solution based on a court of appeal decision that could have avoided a, an unfair miscarriage of justice. It's absolutely incredible and it's got echoes with Waitangi, with Donna yesterday. Mm. Silence mm. the voices, silence the different perspectives, mm. stop free speech yep. and then we all go home. Yeah. So you were put in those cells and it was really cold wasn't yeah. it? it was I had no idea how cold the cells are. It's mm. very cold in there and especially I guess you're a bit in shock because mm. it's just out of the blue you know you would never experience Turn, expecting to turn up to court for half an hour to, to put some information forward and then go home and carry on with all your other work, never sort of expecting to end up in the cells for trying to f assist. You can't say this, but to many of us looking on, it just looked venal and quite vicious and, and a sort of payback, if that was fed through from the government, mm. we'll give you a payback for going overseas and getting this story on the 
on the public stage overseas, you know, we'll, we'll give you a bit of a kick mm. under the table. It's not under the table. Many people now are saying, what's happening to our justice system? We know our government's mm. falling. We know our mainstream media's fallen. Are our judges still up to the task? It's a sacred role to be a judge in society. Mm. You cannot give in to government interference. That is a mm. complete betrayal of your oath and your yeah. office. I mean, I don't know what that judge was thinking on that day and why he did what he did, and I can't speculate on that. But I do know that we've had a problem for a long time, and the Law Commission itself has identified it, that in New Zealand the process for appointing and promoting judges is not independent. Mm. So as part of our constitution, judges are supposed to be independent, but they can't really be independent when their whole career is dependent on Crown law and the same people that run the rest of the system. Mm. So it's a sort of an illusion of independence, and I really do think that we need another good look at how we make our judges more independent because even the perception and you know I, I was involved in the Justice Wilson case which resulted in a Supreme Court judge being forced to resign because he crossed the boundary and he wasn't perceived to be independent mm. and and this is the whole thing if the public lose confidence in these things and the government seemed to protect their system by trying to close down the discussion but actually no that's not the right way the answer is we need the discussion we need everything to be transparent but the government needs to do what needs to be done to ensure it is independent mm. not that everyone's sort of on a string doing what they're told it's it's a profound point sue and i look back 20 years ago and helen clark was in power it really worried me the pace at which she stopped our ability to appeal to the privy council mm. because that was the best legal minds yeah. in the system we have it was offshore so not subject to influence many things helen clark did in her time now appear in a very different light yeah. when we look at the corruption that's going on now so yeah. we've got things in education that she was involved in that are very questionable, things with our justice system. Where her handprints are found, there seems to be something to really look into in the future. Mm. Where do you go now and what's happening with the Law Society, just to finish? Yeah, so um, I made a complaint about the judge to the Judicial Conduct Commissioner and the, they've just come back and said, yes, there is a, a complaint to answer for the judge and it's gone to the Chief district court judge for some questions there and I salute you that's more courage Sue more yeah, courage it's difficult brave. when you're a lawyer and you're making really a complaint brave. against a judge but I really had no choice yeah because I can't be I can't not address these things I mean my my promise to myself is every time I see some situation that's not right I will stand up and I will address it as best as I can that's extraordinary so, so where does that go now? What do you have to do? So I've, I've done my bit. There, the chief district court judge is now investigating that. Mm. And some other people made complaints as well. So there's quite a bit of information floating around about that process. But what shocked me is the judge made a complaint about me to the Law Society, but in his complaint, he only included some of the information. He didn't include my explanation of what had happened. That's a complete breach of natural justice. That well, is, that's what to I, me, that's what, what I hear. Yeah. That's extraordinary that he wouldn't think this must be balanced. 
that that was my feeling too. I mean, natural justice is so fundamental to the judicial system and to every kind of decision maker. You have to give people a fair chance. And if you're making an allegation, you've got to be able to justify it. But you've also got to be fair. You can't just say what you want and ignore what they've said. So there's, it, again, it's a, a can of worms. The more you look at these things, the more questions it raises. So I think, Sue, what we need to do, keep in close contact mm. on this and let me know how this goes, because a lot of Kiwis will be wanting to follow this. The name of the judge again? Uh, it was Judge Zorab in Nelson. In Nelson. So mm. we really need to keep across this, because if one judge can get away with something that breaches our natural justice, what is normally mm. the go-to standard, then others will, who are corruptible may, may, may do that. Mm. And I'm not saying he's corrupted, but I'm saying what he's done is show a really poor judgment at the very least. Well, one of the things that came out of the Justice Wilson case was we found that there were guidelines for judicial conduct in New Zealand mm. that had been kept secret between judges and the judicial system. But we managed, I managed to get them made public. And since then, they're actually on the Ministry of Justice webpage. Now, these are the rules that should guide how judges behave. And of course, things like independence yes, and, and all of the things that we would all expect a judge, but it's all there in black and white. And so really, I think judges do need to go back and look at those guidelines and, and be held by those standards, because otherwise they mean nothing. Can you put those up on the Outdoors yeah. and Freedom Party page? Absolutely. People can have a look at those. Mm. Sue, we'll keep in close contact about that because you must be given a fair hearing. And I think you've summed up the, the close of this wonderful interview with what you just said. Wherever you see wrongdoing, mm. you are willing to stand up and call it out. The courage yeah. of you, Sue Gray. I really salute you. It's well, been, a, been a delight. Thank you, Liz. Really always wonderful talking to you mm. and your your knowledge in so many areas and your common sense and your courage as well so i hugely appreciate thank you talking. Thank, thank you. you this will be a wonderful year i feel it'll be your year oh, thank you we'll see well who knows it'll throw a few more things at it yet, as yet i'm sure but we'll keep in touch and maybe let us know where your next tours are too because yes. we can post them on free and yep. i think a lot of people will want to come to those halls and listen to you a lot now Great. Thanks. Thanks, Liz. <laughs>